Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette. Joining me, as always, Joshua Gray. Hello, John. It's early. We're doing this like first thing in the morning. We don't normally do this this early. Well, I mean, sometimes of... sometimes we have people more important than us whose schedules we have to work this around. This is so. <laughs> a very true point. Wait, aren't aren't I important? Uh, everyone's I... more important than us. Let's be real. That's yeah. You're you're very very true there. So we have uh, some fun stuff to talk about today. We have some great guests on the show. But before we get into any of that, uh, we have some pretty cool news that we want to talk about. We do. Yeah, we do. So for the very first time. Um, VA hospitals were considered in the CMS, the Centers for Me- Medicare and Medicaid Services, uh, hospital ranking score. And this stuff, this measures uh, various quality aspects of healthcare. And it's not only for VA facilities, but it's for all healthcare facilities that meet a certain uh, population of service. And out of five stars, we received four and a half. <laughs> five stars. 4.97. I'm assuming you're going to insert a uh, virtual drum roll in there, but... Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. No. Five-star, we got a five-star rating. Now, you said this is for the first time that we've ever done this. This isn't the first time they've done the survey, has it? Like, this has been going on for years. But this is the right? first time that VA hospitals were included in that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, awesome. So, to talk about that... Yay! Uh, we have two special guests. We have our very own director and CEO, Mr. William Karen. Good to be back. Also known as special, Bill. Yeah. Special guest is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Thanks. And joining us for the first time, we have Grace Cortez. And she's here uh, from our safety and high, reli- high reliability organization. And um, we're here to, first of all, celebrate this, this rating. So yeah. uh, congratulations to all of those who were a part of making this happen. Um, it's all the veterans who took surveys and things like that to contribute to this. But um, uh, Mr. Karen, do you have any, uh, any reflections you'd like to make on this? Uh, well, as you mentioned, uh, VA hospitals were never included in the, the CMS star ratings. So there's a, there's a, there's a push um, at the central office level to um, be a little more consistent in how we measure things with the private sector because we do a fair amount of care in the community, obviously, about a 60-40 split. We, we purchase about 40% of care from the community, and we provide about 60% in-house within our system. So um, I like that we're comparing a little bit more apples to apples, uh, which is outstanding. But to be recognized as a five-star hospital here in our community, that's, that's tremendous. And it's a testament to the 3,400-strong FTE that are all uh, lifting and pulling together uh, to make sure that uh, we hit the mark on all those categories of care. You know, it's, it's incredible because... Both our facility and Reno, our northern Nevada right. facility, were both recognized as five-star facilities, which were the highest of the visit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that's that's awesome. And you know, when you compare it, like you said, apples to apples with our private sector healthcare facilities in Nevada, we scored a lot higher. Um, in fact, we scored so favorably that eighty-one uh, percent of our um, patients gave our hospital a nine out of ten. When it comes to overall rating, right? Whereas the state average for Nevada was only sixty-six percent. Yeah, yeah, tremendous, uh, tremendous effort. As I mentioned earlier, and I think, um, I think when you have a, a significant percentage of veterans working for veterans, that makes a difference. Um, and the commitment to civility, high reliability uh, within the organization. Of course, that's Grace's subject matter expertise. That's been an ongoing um, cultural shift for us. 
So what goes into that rating? Um, you know, because there's a lot of you see there, there's a lot of hospital ratings out there. So um, what differentiates this between some of those other ones, and, and what are the components that go into that rating? Right. I I mean a lot of um, a lot of the measurements are are taken and and, and extrapolated. So there's a there's a big data pulls that occur throughout the hospitals. Uh, but mortality is is one section. Uh, how safe the care is, your readmission rate, meaning someone who was in the hospital, was out of the hospital and came back in, uh, that patient experience, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the percentage of people that would recommend this this hospital. And timely, effective care, it's more of an access component. Um, so we align our, we, we've talked about this in the past on, the, on podcasts and in our videos, is our lanes of effort uh, the five lanes of effort, um, safety and quality are the, are the big lanes, and that we never take your foot off the gas there. Access is a big, big area for us uh, for obvious reasons. We're a growing organization in a growing city, veteran-friendly city. The experience for both our staff and veterans is a critical lane of effort. And then the other lane we call stewardship, which is essentially being good stewards of taxpayer dollars. So it stretches the, the, the range from productivity of our providers uh, all the way to our cost accounting and, and how we do business here, make buy decisions, those types of things. So you can see how those lanes of effort align to the CMS star ratings in our, in our simple, straightforward vision is right care, right place, right time, and at the right cost, um, so that everyone can really embrace that and enculturate it within the organization. So today we kind of really want to focus down on a couple of those, those key factors, um, you know, talking about safety and right. preventing harm and things like that. Um, you know, talking to Grace yesterday, uh, one of the, the shocking figures that she brought up that really kind of opened my eyes to this, um, well, preventable harm and yeah. how big of a issue that is in healthcare, not just in our facility, but, you know, across the healthcare industry. Yeah. Um, apparently in the United States, the third leading cause of death in, would be preventable harm if we're actually counted as such. Right. That's an incredible statistic. Um, so obviously, you know, that's something that gets factored in with CMS ratings, but also just when you measure healthcare in general. Um, you know, we talk about patient safety and ensuring that we're a high reliability organization, you know, what does that mean being an HRO? So I love that you shared that preventable harm because it is a very real number. As many as one in 10 even suffer an adverse event during hospitalization. And with that CMS rating, with us having that five star, it exemplifies our emphasis on that safety because if the CDC counted it, it would be the third leading cause of death. And so what the VA has grasped to, and they started this journey, and it is a journey, it's a long road, a few years ago is that high reliability concept is to recognize that we know there is preventable harm in our country. And that's not a VA standard. That is a national standard in our country. It's a crisis. And so with this HRO, with this recognition for going towards this high reliability, we're going to put that in the front set. We're going to say our true north is getting to zero harm is what we have with that. And so what that means is by talking about it, having this podcast where we're bringing up safety, we're bringing up this very real statistic because we need to change it. And we do a lot of different things here in the organization to help with that. We do safety huddles. We have safety reports that are submitted. We have a staff, 3,400 strong FTE, that are all starting to speak up. And it is a culture change that we need to talk about and that we need to do in order to drive us to where we want our veterans to come here. And they want to be here, which is why that star rating is so important to us. And it, it brings it home to us that we have that. 
When you say preventable harm, uh, I'm I'm not very familiar with that term. What what exactly does that mean? Is it and what's the threshold of of that? Is that is that you know a, a tech taking my blood and had trouble finding the vein and now I got a big bruise? Or is that the you know the the story you always hear about somebody went in and and they cut off the wrong they amputated the wrong foot kind of a thing? What what's the threshold there of what is considered preventable harm? Preventable harm is something that, that does reach the patient, kind of both those aspects. So if they had a surgery where they cut off the wrong arm or they did the wrong procedure, they left something in that didn't belong in, or it could be having your blood drawn. Let's say when they cleaned it, did they wave their hand over the site? Did they let it air dry like we're supposed to, or did they feel pressured? So when we talk about preventable harm, we're looking at the processes in our system, the mistakes that might occur because we are human. We're going to make mistakes, but we're going to build our error tolerant systems to where harm does not reach. And by harm, I mean an adverse event. Maybe it's a veteran falling. Maybe it's a wrong medication was given or some of that aspect there. It's kind of, it's a lot of a lot of things. It's hard to pinpoint one specific preventable harm. You mentioned somebody doing something because they felt pressured, right? There's a, a, a line out the door in, into the waiting room or, or what have you. Uh, in, in your experience, what is, what's the main driver be, behind most of the preventable harm? Is it, is it a lack of um, training? Is it time pressure? Is it organizational pressures? Like what, what causes that? All of those things. Uh, there's not a one specific thing, which is why the high reliability journey brings all of that to light. We are talking about different processes. Sometimes it might be a policy is not clearly understood. You might not have enough training. And one of the things that we do talk about with an HRO is that Swiss cheese model. And what that is, is Dr. Reason identified multiple slices of cheese, if you will, with holes in it and in our system. And it is more of an organizational component where we need to shrink those holes, prevent harm from getting through each slice of cheese. For example, a slice of cheese is environment, so are we interrupted? We know that we get interruptions frequently, whether it be a phone call, a knock at the door, somebody called out and now you're covering multiple roles and you get, hey, this person's here now for this, oh, I'm in the middle of that. And you have a slice of cheese as our culture. We have uh, our team as a slice of cheese. Do we have staffing shortages? Do we have fatigue? Are we having communication failures across the different service lines? Is somebody uh, not being trained appropriately, an individual competency component, and there is an individual slice of cheese. There's equipment slices of cheese. There's all of these things that go into preventable harm and shrinking those holes, but we have to identify it within the organization in order to move forward to get towards zero harm. And in order to have our staff have the not just awareness but to identify it to speak up about it to talk across service lines to talk to people like bill about their concerns on the front lines to get it all the way up through the system so there's not one thing and what hro what the the big pillars are behind it is that leadership commitment, that uh, culture of safety, and that continuous process improvement, because we're going to have all of those things working in the background, all those different slices of cheese, if you will, shrinking those holes, and everyone doing their part to just identify a vulnerability, a risk in our system to help get us to that true north of zero harm. So you talked about leadership commitment and how important it is for, for leaders to take an active role in every step of the process. Where does that start 
Um, I guess, Bill, this is probably more of a question for you. Mm-hmm. From looking down from the top, where does that start for you? And what do people on the front lines need to take from that as well? Well, the buy-in, I guess, first and foremost is we started talking about is we know healthcare is is complex, is high pressure, um, and that's where our charge is to consistently deliver safe, air-free care uh, to our veterans. I think everyone in this organization and, and throughout our, our listening audience knows and can recall either where they've been wronged or harmed or things didn't quite go as planned within a, a healthcare situation for themselves or their or their family. And I think that's a testament that it is a high risk business. So the the buy-in is is there uh, and the sell is it's a collective dedication of professionals, administrators, it's everyone really staying committed to this high reliability culture. Um, and, and I do think it's a cultural shift. So we're all in and we know in those lanes of efforts, as I mentioned er, earlier, are, are weaved into that. So that collective dedication has to be permeated throughout the organization. So everything from huddles uh, to meetings, um, you always instill those safety moments, those safety stories. And I, and I think most importantly is people recognizing that they truly have a duty to speak up here. And it may not be articulated as such in everyone's position description or functional statement, but we all have a duty to speak up. And I, and I always think of that in terms of your head or your heart or your gut is just somewhat misaligned and you're getting that kind of internal nudge that something doesn't feel right for our veterans or our staff, then bring it forward, speak up, make the request. And, and I know you and I have talked about this before in other interviews, that changing a culture is hard, Yeah. right? Because especially in the realm of what we do, because you have the local facility culture, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have a culture within the VA as a whole. There's a federal government culture, and then there's a healthcare culture, right? Right. You've got got four different cultures that you've kind of got to massage into the right direction if if a change is needed or if an improvement can, can can be gotten out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's interest. Everyone has different interests and there's external interests and external pressures that we try not to um, I call it filtering the noise, try not to get caught up in the noise out there and focus on what we can control here internally. So so that cultural shift has been um, has been well received. And and I do see people more comfortable in bringing things up because we have committed and promised that we will always look at through the lens of the system first versus jumping into the finger pointing game that you see so often on television that it's immediate jump to place blame where it's like well wait a minute we got to take a breath um and it's ironic because if uh, when horrible horrendous uh things happen like a like a plane crash you'll see you know that the press will cover it and there's the pictures in the video and it's awful 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 but you'll always hear that the investigation is ongoing and all they don't uh, the NTSB and all that, they just don't point fingers right away because they do not have all the information. Uh, and that's hard to do sometimes with external forces that are always looking for a, you know, who done it kind of thing. Um, you know, so, so here we say, no, we're going to look through the lens of the system. Rarely, 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 less than, uh, less than a fraction of the percentage of the time is someone really um, being mischievous and, um, and, and malaligned with our, our efforts here to take care of veterans. It's pretty rare. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Mr. Karen and Grace. We're talking about safe culture of safety and higher reliability organizations. 
You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. It'd be great if life came with remote control. You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Watch out! They got me! The galaxy is safe once again! In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. A Shiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now, it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings now. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related health care news and information. Here's your host, John Archiquette, and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to The Nine Line. John and Josh here with Mr. Karen and Grace. We're talking about culture safety. We're talking about being a high reliability organization and uh, we're celebrating our five-star CMS rating. Yay! (laughs) Uh, So Grace, I had a question for you. So this is your first time here on the podcast. The three of us are all Air Force vets, so it's nice to have a fourth Air Force vet here on the show. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And you had a, a fairly similar experience during your Air Force career with high reliability organizations in healthcare. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so when I was uh, in the Air Force, I was an ER nurse. And uh, one of the things that they were starting to push out was this high reliability concept. Now, it wasn't called HRO at the time. It was called trusted care. And it is something that they still do today. That uh, started for me back around 2015, 2016. But it was certainly something that the Air Force was doing. As we know, the Air Force, Air Force, we know we have planes. Every time I told somebody I was in the Air Force, I'm sure you felt this way too they asked oh do you fly what do you fly yeah what do you fly <laughs> no no i'm a nurse and uh it was that component there and so uh hro has high reliability organizations have their roots in aviation that's actually where this is adopted from and we talked about leadership commitment mr karen did cover that aspect there and when we talk about speaking up we're talking about even against a hierarchy and we know the air force is very military rank and grade. And so when I saw this on the front lines in healthcare in the Air Force, I had uh, an E3 
uh, speaking up to a full bird in 06. And that's something that I think everyone who listens to this knows that rank difference uh, and enlisted to officer, not just officer, field grade officer, not just that, but a colonel, um, at least in the Air Force, because, you know, in 06 in the Navy is a a captain. captain. Yeah. So even (laughs) speaking up to that, they were able to stop the line the same way that we encourage staff to stop the line here. Slightly different verbiage, but the same concepts of saying, I'm uncomfortable. This is a safety issue. What we use here is called the three W's. What I'm concerned about, uh, what I see, what I'm concerned about, what I want. And that's something that we tell our staff, that standardized verbiage. It was slightly different in my Air Force experience that we got to cuss. I'm concerned, I'm uncomfortable, this is a safety issue. Same aspect. And it was so great to see the changes made in process improvements in the facility when I was on active duty. And I get to bring that background here with me in this role at this VA. And we talk about the concept of speaking up and the concept of near misses and great catches. And what we're seeing with that is for our staff to speak up to those things, whether it be using the three W's on your scene, what I see, what I'm concerned about, what I want. Uh, using that right on the front line. And then, of course, follow through, put in that safety report. We're constantly telling our staff, put in that safety report. Stopping the line in the frontline setting is absolutely vital to our success for preventable harm that we were talking about. But that follow through, put in that safety report, because now we can track and trend it across service lines. How often is this happening? What vulnerabilities do we have in our system? Because like Mr. Karen said, we want to look at our organization and what might be happening when I stopped the line in my frontline setting, maybe in uh, a med surge unit, maybe something similar is happening in our pharmacy. Maybe it's happening in our laboratory. Maybe police services even saw a case where, no, I almost had something similar. It doesn't always have to be with medication administration. doesn't always have to be with a surgery because those are the easy things for us to think about with patient harm. Sometimes it is a simple policy that wasn't trained on, it wasn't understood. Maybe we had new equipment installed that wasn't fully explained to all the stakeholders. Maybe there's something else going on that we just weren't aware about. We need people to speak up. And that's what Mr. Karen was saying with our huddles. That's what we're asking staff to do. And, and you're talking about the huddles and you know, you've mentioned before about how you don't want to turn it into a blame game. You want to make sure you, you discuss the reasons that, that things happen, um, but really like, one really cool aspect that we've introduced was the the kudos and the you know talking about those catches talking, like complimenting people for speaking up and saying something and you know maybe setting an example for other services to you know to also speak up if they, they see issues being wrong so I think that was that's a great addition to the to yeah. the, the huddle right. giving when we give recognition for someone who speaks up when we look at it as a learning opportunity for hey I almost did this that's awesome we did not cause harm that first of all right when they like do that nice exhale I tell people when you speak up when you stop the line do that exhale like, I did it I spoke up but follow through. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it in our huddles. Let's talk about it to our leaders. Let's talk about it uh, because there could be learning opportunities. Every mistake or near mistake is an opportunity for us to learn. And that's exactly why we encourage leaders to do that recognition, to talk about what kudos do you have? What safety stories do we have? Because we need to have that collaborative uh, with our team, that collective mindfulness uh, is what we need in order to get further on our journey to zero harm. 
You know, and I think that uh, there's a lot of value in that personally, because I, I just can speak for my own life, but I've learned a lot more in my life from my failures than I have from one of my failures than I have from all of my successes combined, right? right. Uh, failure is a good teaching tool if you are in the mindset to learn from your mistakes. Yeah, I fa- um, fail safely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really important for us, I feel, to, to have those conversations. And again, that comes from having a culture where people feel safe and empowered to talk about things that they may have gotten close to screwing up or screwing up. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have here. The just culture is what we call it. And that's that aspect, that psychological safety that you feel safe to speak up. We don't have that fear of reprisal. We know that we're not going to point fingers like we talked about already, that we're going to dig deeper, get to the root cause, get to the identifying all those holes in the Swiss cheese that I mentioned before to identify them, to shrink them, to build error tolerant systems. That's exactly what we're doing and that we need everybody's help, even our veterans when they come here. I shared a story the other day with Mr. Karen about a veteran who called to speak up about something that they identified. And that's what we need from our veteran population as well. Mm -hmm. And that veteran's call actually streamlined a correction in our system. It was something we weren't even aware about. Even uh, the providers that were involved in it, the nurses that were seeing this, the pharmacists, the pharmacy techs, we had a whole team of healthcare professionals that missed this and even the the programming in our computer. And we wouldn't have known that without even that veteran speaking up. And that's what we ask too, is we tell this is a veterans, their caregivers, anyone who sets foot into a VA uh, facility absolutely has a voice and we wanna hear their voice. They should be speaking up, helping us identify our vulnerabilities to keep them coming here and keep us at that five star. Yeah, and that you know that feedback is valued. You know, it's not only just by us through through surveys, things like the CMS. Like we we value that. We take that input, and you know, we help to to both make positive changes and or, well make changes, and you know, we know the things that we're doing well. So, uh, Mr. Karen, as far as the commitment part is concerned, you know, how do you? We, we got all these concepts. Yeah. And we have all of the, the right ideas. How do we make sure we get that kind of commitment from everyone across the board? You know, that collective dedication, I love the way Grace explained it. It's not just our staff, it's our veteran population. And we have a lot of veterans that serve on um, committees and councils to get that voice of that veteran at well. I mean, we really do need everyone to speak up. So healthcare um, and even you know all of us have been in the military compliance um, and being accountable and re- being responsible that compliance mindset can't you can't do it with compliance alone because co- compliance is that you're adhering to standards you know legal ethical those kinds of things. and it's important don't get me wrong very important but uh, being compliant and being committed and making commitments are two very different things um, the commitment where you're 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 truly fulfilling promises, you're bringing accountability in uh, to the various aspects of all the you know, business transactions, clinical transactions, things that we do. They're both critical to success. Um, so if you're going to have a trustworthy organization, um, hand in glove with high reliability, you need compliance as well as commitment. Um, so we work a lot on commitment management, managing the commitment, not the individual person per se, because it's about that collective that I mentioned earlier coming together. Um, you know, when the tide rises, all, all ships rise, right? Well, one thing I want to talk about before we uh, go, I, I, 
do want to ask, do you guys have anything else you wanted to add at all as far as uh, HRO, safety? I just say speak up. Don't be afraid. And I, I start from newcomer orientation. Every time I go to a service level meeting, whenever I'm rounding, I'm just I'm, I'm asking how can I help? What do we need to do differently? What, you know, what do you, what would you like to see handled differently, whether it's veteran or staff? I, I do have one question here real quick. You know, we, a lot of this is feedback also from our veteran population and things like that. How do you parse out the, the information and the feedback that is actually valuable feedback and f- maybe feedback that is just somebody that's just maybe having a bad day, right? Um, you know, we get some folks in here sometimes that, you know, something just isn't isn't going right for them, and it's it's not anything that is within our our control. Um, so, how do you parse that out? I think for me personally, every so I used to be uh, an assistant nurse manager at a CBOC, a community outpatient location, uh, previously at a different VA in out in Georgia, where it was very rural settings and. Uh, I would have a lot of veterans that I felt like they would come to me with concerns that it did feel that way in that seat of there's not much I can do. My hands are tied. We're outpatient clinic. We're working with the community partners because we were very dependent on the community at my previous VA. But it wasn't that I would stop there. I think everything, even if it is, quote, like a bad day, even if it is a very unfortunate situation, I don't think that's the answer. And that's what we teach with high reliability is we still get to the root cause. Now, if you asked every single why, if you went down every single aspect of every aspect that veteran had with that point, I mean, from the moment they walked into the facility or the phone call that they received, the text message, the email, whatever method that they were first communicated with, and you went down every pathway and that answer was still a there's not much here, then fine. But if somebody has a concern, that's one too many. Anybody who's confused, that's one too many. And so I don't think that there is that answer. As part of being an HRO, we need to keep asking the why. As part of being highly reliable, we look into it. You don't just stop. One of our principles is reluctance to simplify, and it talks about exactly that. We don't stop with the, oh, the quick explanation, like, oh, I'm so sorry, like this happened to you, da, 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 nothing I can do. No, there's there's always something we can do. And if there's nothing more than just talk about it, then just say, hey, this did happen. Uh, There's there we, you know, nothing that we need to improve, but I just want everyone to be aware of it, even if it's an awareness aspect uh, so that we can try to prevent it because maybe it did happen to somebody else and we just don't know about it because we weren't speaking up. We didn't submit our reports. We didn't share those stories or we stopped. We didn't dig deeper. So that's what I want. It's kind of human nature that if, you know, you're not at cause for something and somebody's you know, being frustrated in your direction to just kind of shut down and like, hey, you're yelling at the wrong guy, guy, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. thing. I I always think the ABC is always be coaching. Um, And we're all coaches for one another. There's 3,400 of us. Sometimes we're going to have a bad day. And how do you parse out? Is this a people, personal issue, whatever? So if you're always coaching, you're, you're working with that individual and you're asking about, well, what 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 happened? What what should have happened? What did you want that future to look like? Okay, what things were limiting us? You know, they're limiting you or limiting us to get there. What are our options? And then you get to that final, you know, what's next kind of thing. There's always a what's next. Um, to Grace's point. 
And that you know starts with with not assigning blame with things. And Absolutely, it's opening not, up that that's not personal. It's the business of taking care of one another and taking care of veterans. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining us today. This is a really great topic. Um, and one thing I want to make sure we talk about is an opportunity for veterans to come to our facility, learn more about our process, about our services, and um, to ask those questions. And this Saturday will be the uh, upcoming Veterans Town Hall and will be a Summer Vet Fest, which means uh, we're going to be providing a lot of resources about the PACT Act. So I know PACT Act has been a big buzzword that we've been throwing out for the last year, right. um, but we really want to hammer it home over the next couple of weeks because the August 9th deadline for um, getting your claims backdated to the signing of the bill on August 10th, 2022, um, if you have it, at least have it signed up before August 9th, you will be able to have that backdated. So we want to make sure, um, you know, if you have the opportunity to come out to our town hall, Please take advantage of that. We'll have experts on hand to answer questions about benefits, about health care related to the PACT Act, as well as all the other services we provide here. So that's going to be this Saturday at the North Las Vegas VAMC in the auditorium from 10 o'clock until 2 o'clock p.m. So um, make sure you come on down for that. Say hi to us. And additionally, uh, we are still taking applications for the Creative Arts Competition coming up on September 18th. So if you'd like more information on that, we'll have some information posted on our Facebook page, as well as um, we've talked a little bit about it on previous podcasts as well. So uh, check that out. Uh, we'd love to get more entries in this year. Uh, again, thank you both for joining us, and thank you for listening here on the Nine Line Podcast. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening.